What's up, happy lifers? Doing something a little special today. As you know, we normally post our Happy Life Studios podcast early Monday mornings to help everyone start their week off happy. But in anticipation of Valentine's Day, we're going to be posting our Modern Day Alchemist episode in place of our regular Happy Life Studios podcast, which we will be posting as a bonus episode on the actual Valentine's Day. Because, as you know, we are the official podcast of the holidays, so we're going to put it out on actual Valentine's Day. So enjoy today's Modern Day Alchemist episode with Kristen Brown, Mojo McCarthy, and myself as we talk about real love, which sets up the Happy Life Studios Valentine's episode where I'll be talking about my real love and my real life Valentine's. All right, there's the sign. The sign says we're live, and here it is on Friday, February 9th. Joseph Mojo McCarthy here with my dear friends and co-hosts, Kristen Brown and Steve O'Hayes, the Modern Day Alchemists, episode 34. Hello, friends. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. it is Feel Good Friday. Ooh. Feel Good Friday. All right. Any day with NBA is a Feel Good Friday to me. That's right. I agree, 100%. Totally. So the team, the, the three of us have uh, teamed up now for several episodes, um, and we've uh, this is episode number 34, and we are so excited to be together. Uh, regardless of who tunes in or doesn't tune in, uh, we just have a great time sharing life. You're not there. That's right. Just riffing about uh, good stuff, conversations that matter. But we do appreciate those that do spend time here because we know that uh, you could spend time anywhere. So thank you for those that spend your time, your energy, your attention here. And it is it is our intention not just to have a great conversation between the three of us, but to share whatever wisdom we may have gathered and insights that we have so that it can be uh, enhance those that have tuned in and make um, hopefully spark something inside of you, right, that will make your life a little better as well. So welcome to this episode, and can't wait to jump in. But before we do, Kristen, would you please introduce yourself to those who haven't met you and let them know where you are and what you're up to these days? Okay. Hello, everybody. My name is Kristen Brown, and I help people break free of lopsided and dysfunctional relationship patterns by resetting their energetic foundation of self-worth and reclaiming their personal power. I am from Phoenix, Arizona, and it's been cold and rainy here lately, so I'm ex- totally excited. And what I've got going on these days? Oh, just the usual, posting my content, coaching my clients. I got a new cat, and we're just you know living life. And for those that don't know, Kristen is an author. She's uh, put two books out on, on uh, the Amazon, on the internets, on the interwebs, and one of them is an international bestseller. So show off your book, Kristen. There's my book, The Recovering People Pleaser, a spiritual guide to reclaim your true worth and attract the love you deserve. And if you are viewing this on Wisdom, I just added a new link tree where you can go to this directly and and see it on Amazon. She doesn't even wait anymore, Joe. She knows you're going to ask, so she just pulls it out before you even finish your sentence. Well, she should. She's not being egotistical, everybody. She just knows where Joe is going next, so she's like, here's the book. I start laughing first because I always forget. Yeah. Well, those that have noticed, Kristen never brings it up. I'm the one who does because I just want people to know there's such a great resource and such a great uh, a labor of love. Uh, Kristen put her heart and soul and her own story, very vulnerable stories into that book uh, with the sole purpose of helping others through their own 
journey. So awesome, Kristen, way to go. Steve-O, introduce yourself to those that haven't met you yet. My name is Steve Hayes. I'm kind of on the same journey. Uh, I am a happypreneur, which means instead of finding creative ways to make money and help people make money, I find creative ways to help people find their happy. So I'm here to navigate, activate, and advocate your happy life. And one of the main ways we do that is through Happy Life Studios, through our podcasts, through our posts online. Do We do coaching, things like that. And what I'm up to lately is I'm getting ready to fly out tomorrow to uh, Southern California. It's been rainy as well. So hopefully, I usually bring the rain with me, but I send it ahead this time. So it'll be done by the time I get there. And I'm very excited. And then we're going to watch the Super Bowl with some friends as well as some clients of, of mine, some coaching clients. And I am super uh, excited about that. I've got like three flights in the next in the next month back to back. So I'll be gone more than I am at home. So that's what's going on. We're out of Seattle, Washington, Seattle area. And I'm uh, super excited to be here with Modern Day Alchemist. I still can't believe that I get to be in this crowd of such greatness with Joe and Kristen. Joe, what about yourself? You're going to tell us about yourself? I am. Uh, I'm Joseph Mojo McCarthy, and uh, I love talking about the intersection of faith with your life, especially when it comes to leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done I've done podcasting uh, as we're doing right now. Um, I've got a blog, and you can get to all that stuff on Mojo.studio. Great blog, by the way. <clears throat> yeah, and mm-hmm. also a musician. I like to kick out some music out from time to time, sometimes live on X. Uh, and I've recorded several shorts on my YouTube channel. I have even a, a playlist called uh, Swift Kicks in the Brass or Swift Kick in the Brass, which is a one-minute concerts that I sometimes I'm playing trumpet or singing or playing the piano, I'm just doing the thing that I do. So it's a great, great to be with you two. And for all those that have, that have jumped in already, we've got some guests here. So thank you so much. And feel free to put comments uh, along the lines. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Put some comments. Let us know where you're from. Say hello. And uh, some of the comments will show up on screen as we talk. So today, uh, it being February 9th and leading into uh, the Valentine's holiday, which I think is probably created by Hallmark so that they could sell cards and candy. Uh, But it is a a great reminder, you know, about how important love is. And uh, Kristen and I and Steve-O were talking about topics for today. And that, of course, was natural because of the timing of the calendar. But what we didn't take long for us to realize that love is such a broad topic, right? It's such an encompassing topic. And oftentimes uh, the media or the salespeople or the Hallmark people or whatever, our tendency is to go towards the romantic side or that that's that kind of a slim, I'd like to say the slim Slim sliver, easy for me to say. Slim sliver of love, <laughs> right? Can you say that five you, times, Joe? I can't. I can say that five times there. I just said it that five are. times. Um, but love is, uh, I like to say love has many, many faces. And in fact, uh, when I was thinking of that topic, the love has many faces, I was just Googling before we got, got online today. And uh, Joni Mitchell, who recently got a Grammy and she was featured on the Grammy Awards just recently uh, at 80 years old, singer songwriter. She actually has a compilation album uh, from many years ago called love has many faces. And I think there's something very um, rich and deep for us to talk about what does love really mean? And of course, there's no way we can have a comprehensive definition of love. Uh, That, that topic has been covered from a zillion angles throughout time. Uh, But what we can talk about is what we've learned along the way about what does love really mean? 
far beyond just the romantic attraction and the feelings that can come and go. Uh, what does love really look like? And so I think to start, uh, I just love to hear from you guys to say when when you think of the word love and it comes up in so many different contexts, uh, where does your mind, where does your heart go? And what do you, what would you like to so, sort of set down as a foundation of what love can mean uh, in in right now in your life? So let's start with Steve. We'll go work our way backwards. Wow, Kristen, that was a pretty good question, huh? <laughs> I was like, don't pick me. <laughs> well, that, was a, that was a great question. It's on your mind, Steve. One thing, one thing I think is kind of know. funny is, uh, you know, the word love. Like a lot of the other cultures have many words for the word love. We have one word for the word love, right? We should use words like affirmation or desire or erotic or whatever, but we use the word love and we use the word when we can say, you know, I love you. I love milk. Well, so then what is the big deal that you love me? You, you, you love collecting stamps. You love to mow the lawn. You love me. It's the same word, you know, and I, I like the culture and I imagine we'll talk about this a little bit today, but I like the culture of the Greeks. They had like four main words. I think they even had, they might've even have up to like eight words, but I grew up remembering the, the four main words that the ancient Greeks had for the word of love. And so, you know, they had a word, um, storge, that's like a family love. Phileo, that's a, that's a, a brotherly love, on a, uh, like a Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, right? You have Storgate. I, I already said that was a fam- family love. Then they have Eros, which is an erotic kind of love, which is the love that I think that we concentrate a lot on Valentine's Day. And Valentine's Day is a very bummer for a lot of people because I've I, I read many little jokes and quips and one-liners that talk about Valentine's Day basically being the day to remind people that they're still single. Right. And and people get into this funk about Valentine's Day because they're focusing on one kind of love. They're focusing on on the Eros love. But there's another love out there called agape, which means a selfless love. I don't love to get something in return. And in fact, the whole Valentine's Day was named after a guy by the name of Valentine, St. Valentine. And he was known for helping people. That's what he did. He helped people. In fact, he was he was they say he was murdered. He was just killed because he helped out the, the Christians that were being fed to the lions. He would get them, he, he would uh, help get them married uh, illegally, not illegally. Well, anyway, I'm, I'm messing it up. The point, let's just get back to the main point of it being that Valentine's wasn't about the erotic love. Even though he helped people get married, he was about love. And when, when we just focus on, I'm just really concerned when we focus on love and we consider everything love about being about romance we miss so much about love. We end up falling out of love. Well, I think we fall out of love because that's what romance does. Romance comes and goes. Romance is fickle. Romance is, you know, the feeling is there one minute, the feeling is there not, and, and the, the next. And, uh, you know, love is so much deeper than a feeling. It's a commitment that we make. It's a choice that we make. And for those that might be single on Valentine's Day, are there not people that you love in your life? Do you, can you, do you have, to, have to have a erotic, a, a sensual love? Do you have to have a romance love to, to give a flowers to somebody? Or can you buy flowers for anybody? Can you go out there and, and help somebody? I mean, in grade school, we had people making the little Valentine's cards and giving them away. We weren't boyfriend and girlfriend then. We were just people that they gave little the little heart things to. So that's kind of my concern with love is that we, I feel like we've got it skewed. There's nothing wrong with romantic love. Romantic love is a very powerful thing, but it's not nearly as powerful as agape love, you know, 
Um, and I think that we could just start focusing on, I'm glad we're having this conversation today because we need to focus on more than just the romantic side of things. And I think Valentine wasn't just about romance. He was about so much more than that. Mm. Wow. I just, we're done here. (laughs) (laughs) Nice job. (laughs) First, I was thinking before we jumped on, I thought, you know, I'm like, between the three of us, we have probably 150 years experience. Wow. Of love. Think about that. I thought that was kind of crazy. Also, when you were talking about Steve, that other cultures have various names for love. I know my mother was Spanish speaking. It's her first language. And there's two, there's Te Amo and I think it's Te Quiero. And so Mm -hmm. there's two different kinds of loves. And I don't always remember the difference. I'm throwing them around and people (laughs) might be thinking I mean something that I don't. But, um, you know, what what came up for me while you were talking was I'm a student of A Course in Miracles. And A Course in Miracles talks about special love versus or a special relationship versus a holy relationship. And what a special relationship is, is a relationship where you are trying to get from the other person because something is fractured inside of you or missing. We talk about this a lot, that self-love that we moved away from. And so we think if we have this other person in our life that we're going to feel feel loved. So we're trying to get from them versus a holy relationship is where we love ourselves and we're complete within ourselves and we are willing to give to another person. And I think the reason why Valentine's Day uh, jacks up a lot of people is because they have not yet learned to love themselves. So they believe there is this element that is missing out in the world that they just don't have. And that makes it that something is wrong with them. Because a lot of people think they have to be in a relationship to be Mm. worthy or valuable, whatever these type of things are. And I think I had that not on a conscious level, just kind of like at an unconscious level, like I need to have a partner. Like for some reason that did something for me. But when I went through my college of Chris and I learned to love myself, that changed inside of me because I remember my goal being, I want a holy relationship. I kept saying, I want a holy relationship. I don't want a special relationship. I want one where we both equally are, are, are coming together for each other's becoming. And we're not about grabbing from the other person and trying to make me feel loved. But this is where the relationship part gets messy because people think I'm going to get this relationship and I'm going to feel loved all the time. And there's two things to that. One, relationships are designed to show us ourselves. So I'm going to say that again. Relationships are designed to show us ourselves because they are going to bring to light all the wounded places inside of us. And we're going to want to blame the other person for these things that are, quote, missing or that they're doing or not doing. Now, of course, I always have to put the disclaimer in because I am an empowerment coach that I'm not talking about accepting abuse from another person or something like that. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. But I I believe that if we are very conscious in our relationships and we allow them to be what they are, and which is, yes, a source of love to an extent, but also a source of learning how to be more unconditionally loving to ourselves so that we can show up to the relationship from a new and improved energy. And I'll stop there because I already wrote a, a list of notes. So <laughs> I'll let somebody else take over for a minute. I love the fact that you brought up this idea of a holy relationship. And when I think of holy, that can mean sacred, but it can also have a connotation too of wholeness. 
right? Mm -hmm. a, a relationship that's whole isn't necessarily two halves coming together to complete each other, which is kind of what we've been taught or what we've adopted from our culture. But really, as you've talked about many times and you share in your book, even it's in bringing my wholeness into a relationship when two people are are closer to whole or whole themselves, that's when the relationship is really strong and bonded because it's not from a, a lack, not from a position of I need, but it's a position of wholeness. And so two whole people together can create a holy relationship, right? It becomes sacred like because that. they each have uh, have completeness to bring into it rather than I'm trying to fill some holes in my life, more like Swiss right. cheese. So right. wholeness versus holy, I think that's a great, great thing to talk about. You know, I, I think back to grade school and whenever Valentine's Day comes up, I think back to grade school and when we create the shoe boxes and we decorate them however we wanted, you know, and we'd have the slot in the top or the side and you put them out there just hoping that, you know, the little redhead, red-haired girl would put the Valentine in your, in your box if you were Charlie Brown. Right. And and then that that's that fear that when you open up the box that there would, would be none in there or very few compared to everybody else's. Nope. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then, so but that that just kind of just a an illustration of how oftentimes we have this box that we want someone else to fill up in order to make us feel loved. That's so and, good. Right. And that that comes from a place of emptiness as a place from wholeness. And so I, I really love what we're talking about here, that a holy relationship can be sacred because we come from a place of wholeness rather than from, from a place of lack. That's really good. And I love, I want to go back to what Steve said earlier too, that the the word love is used for so many things. You know, I love, I love pickles and, and I love right. my wife and I love my mom and I, you know, I love ice cream, but that, that there's no way that word can mean the same. So when I was preparing uh, for today, I was thinking about how, you know, love for an object is is about what it does for me. And oftentimes we get that mixed up and we think that same way about love for a person, what that person does for me, right? Right. I love ice cream because how it makes me feel. But if, if my love for others, whether it's romantic or just familial or friendship, is about what it does for me, then is that is that really love? Or is that really uh, a place just coming from a place of need? Because I have come to this place where I understand that loving is really more about what can I give rather than what can I get. I don't get that right all the time, but I understand when I'm coming from a place of what can I give, right? Rather than what's in it for me, what's in it for me to give, then it really comes from a much healthier place where I'm not in, in this um, deficit all the time, looking for someone to fill my shoebox metaphorically. And that's a much better a much better place to connect with people, not from a place of weakness, from a place of strength. And that doesn't mean we have to be perfect, but we understand, right, that that my value, my worth, my uh, self-esteem uh, isn't dependent on someone else filling up the hole that is my metaphorical right. shoebox. Right. I had somebody teach me this once, and I actually use it when I do wedding ceremonies. Um, but he taught, he had two glasses of water, and he was teaching me because I had to learn this. Right. And this is how I learned it by doing it wrong. And he says, if each glass is half full and I see another glass, I see another person that could fill me. If I marry that person, if I have a relationship with that person, it can fill me. So you get married and everything is great because you're like, I'm empty. And so the, your new spouse, your new partner, your new friend goes, Oh, I can fill that. So they pour themselves into you and you feel, man, marriage is awesome. Friendship is awesome. I'm loving this. I am whole. I am complete. But the whole time you're whole, 
the person that you have this relationship from that you got hold from is now empty. So after a while, they say, hey, wait a minute, I'm I, I'm empty. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't mean to hog everything. And so then you take it and you pour back and you make them whole. You make them complete. Wow, marriage is great. But meanwhile, you're going, marriage kind of sucks. Love kind of sucks, man. There's so many songs about love being a battlefield and love being ugly and love being, well, it's because when we don't have a holy love, when love we stinks, love, love we, bites. What's right. that? Yeah. Love stinks, love right. bites. Love her. Exactly. Right. And that's yeah. what I love about, you know, what you guys have been talking about, a whole love, a, a holy love, a wholeness love. And so what I do now is, you know, if you're, if you're empty, that relationship's not going to fill you. You're going to go into that. If you're not whole before you get married, you're not going to be whole. It's only going to magnify your current state. But if you both come into this relationship full, and so then I'll take like a, I'll find their favorite drinks, whatever, I'll grab a Mountain Dew and a, or whatever. And when you, when you bring these two individuals that are complete with each other, and now the two become one, now it enlarges, now it's this incredible, unique drink that no one has ever had before because it's this whole person and this whole person. I don't have to rely upon you to make me whole. And therefore, it, it, just, it takes all the pressure off and allows us to love more. But if I'm empty, I'm always looking to how I can fill myself. And then I start trying to drain it from people, trying to get it from people. When I don't, I get angry and it, it just goes on and on and on. But I love this concept you guys are talking about, about this holy love or this W-H-O-L-E, love. Yeah, both, right? <laughs> yeah, so well, I was that girl that during Valentine's Day, I can just totally picture myself. I'd just write Kristen on the card, but that one kid, I wrote love, Kristen. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, I'll give you a little hint that I got a little crush on you. Right. As a content creator, someone who makes videos, and we are taught to search terms that people use so in order to draw them to what we're producing, because they'll, they are going to be searching it in certain words. And so I was always like, attract a lifer, attract a soulmate, attract, you know, these type of things. But the term that is searched for the most is attract love, mm. which is not something that I would have used. And I was like, wow, that's it. And mine was like, attract a great guy, attract a good partner, attract a healthy person. Like that would have been me. But people search how to attract love. And I'm here to tell you that what you are is what you will attract. So wow. if you're not loving yourself, then you're going to attract somebody that's only going to, is going to mirror that back to you from the level that you are attracting yourself or attracting yourself, that you are loving yourself, which mm -hmm. is my whole story, as you guys know, but there's new people on here. And that was that I was attracting people that were mirroring exactly back to me, my level of self-worth and self-love. And so once I realized that, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like directly proportional. And so I started to do the work to work on myself, to love myself unconditionally, to accept myself, to raise my self-worth. And, and then I magically started to attracting people to me that, that reflected that back to me. So this whole you complete me culture. And it was a really cute line in the Jerry Maguire movie. And we all know that. And it was a really great scene. It really was. It was a great yeah. scene. I watched it recently, like the past year at some point, because I'd only seen it once a long time ago. And because I wanted to find the context of that. I'm like, how was that in there? But that whole, that whole line is kind of like Disney princesses too. Like there's certain movies and things that we watch and we think, I want that. Right. But, but real love, true love is messy. 
Yeah. It's, it is, you know, when two people come together, even if they do a good job of loving themselves, there's going to be things that this relationship reveals what is what are called triggers. And that means this person is going to be touching the buttons because they're typically the closest person to us and our surrounding family members is they're going to be touching buttons in us that are going to awaken us to our shadow and our wounds and our fears. And then a likely in a typical relationship, because this is most relationships are like this. Okay. They're, they're still kind of special. They're not quite holy yet, <clears throat> but most likely what will happen is that person will get touched and then they're going to want to immediately blame you and control you. Mm. And then this person is going to get defensive back. And then this is where we have the problem. And this is where over time, if one or other party is not doing the necessary work to heal, they're not taking responsibility for their behavior and they're not doing the necessary work to heal. This is when the falling out of love happens. Wow. Okay. Can you say that again, Kristen? Yeah. Yes. If when we're, when we're, um, when one or both sides is not doing the necessary work to heal, this is when the falling out of love happens. Okay, because eventually over time, resentment is going to build up and take the place of that romantic, giddy, lovey feeling. So it's important to understand that when you find a person that's committed to you, it doesn't stop there. No relationship, no older people, because I interview people, I talk to people, I question people like, how did you make this work? How, what did you guys do? How, if it's a happy relationship, because people can stay married for 50 years and not ever see each other, not love each other, just doing it for the fact to do it. But the people that do, they've really learned to accept the other person. They've worked on themselves. They put time together into the relationship. Awesome relationships aren't a fluke. They don't just happen. We don't just become lucky. They take time and effort as with any relationship. My relationship with my kids, my relationship with my friends, whatever, my my pets, any relationship that I have requires nurturing. It also requires me course correcting if I'm doing something that somebody doesn't like. Now, I'm going to bring a little extra bit to this. Sometimes people are projecting their wounds onto us. And they're telling us we're selfish or this and that just because we're just setting boundaries. Okay. Well, Mm -hmm. this is why it takes a lot of conversation. And I feel like the conversation, like one time I said to somebody, I think it was my husband. I said, if we have an argument, we need to hold hands because when we're holding hands during an argument, it's really hard to walk away Mm -hmm. or to say something nasty or to, you know, it's like this bonding thing to just hold, hold your partner's hands, even if you're like linked by pinkies, because you're saying, I'm still with you. Mm. We're just having a little, a little hill. We're having a little difficulty right now, but I'm still with you. So I'm just here to, to squash everybody's dreams. <laughs> no, <I'm really> kidding. <laughs> you, you know, I always say this, this is a spiritual journey. This is about learning and growing, and it is all about love, but it's all about returning to the love of self. It's not about what we can get from other people because that is not the fix. That is not the cure for all that ails us, that all that pains us, that all the unworthiness. Yes, it can help. Yes, it's nice. I love your guys' love, right? But you guys can't fix me. I have to fix me. 
But your love can be a cherry on top of my already fixedness. So when I stop looking into the outside world to give me something that I wasn't giving myself, that's mm. when everything changed for me. Mm. Mm. Last night until it was fairly late last night, but I was putting together my product for the trip. I, I sell some product. And one of the things I sell on my table is a bunch of, I just got a bunch of random stickers. And as I was packing them all up, got everything packed up. Wouldn't you know there was one sticker left. And so I was grabbing it. I was going to go open it up and go put it back in. And all of a sudden I read the sticker and I'm like, no, I'm keeping this. I'm putting this on my, on my laptop. And it, it's just a simple little cheesy little two words. And it said, love yourself. But Kristen, and correct me if I'm wrong here on this, but what I hear you saying is we can't really love others until we love ourselves first. If I'm expecting somebody else to fix me, or if I'm expecting to, to get something in return for them, it doesn't work like it works when I decide, wait a minute, I'm going to love myself. I'm going to work on myself. I'm going to, is that line up with what you were saying? I feel like there's a weird little line there because I feel like we just show up a, a better pure version of ourselves when we love ourselves. Because I mean, I love my kids. I love my cats. Like I feel that love. So I, there's a weird line that I would say the quality of loving a romantic partner is based on how well we love ourselves. So Because, right. Do you agree with that? Yeah. 100%. So good. And that's what we don't, that's what we don't talk about. Sorry, Joe. That's what we don't talk about on Valentine's Day. We don't talk about that. We talk about romantic love. We talk about getting that Eros love, getting that, that kind of love, which is okay. I mean, that, that love is essential to life. We, we enjoy that, but we don't talk about the other side to be a better romancer. We need to love ourselves. I just have to say one more thing. And then I want to hear what Mojo has to say <laughs> on Instagram, Ozzy, you know, Ozzy Osbourne and his wife, I forgot her name, Sharon, Sharon. They were sitting next to each other on a podcast, and Ozzy was saying, um, I love her. I hate her. She's my best friend. She And he was listing all – and I'm just like, there it is. Like, we need to have a billboard because, mm-hmm. you know, relationships aren't meant to be this perfect little – I get flowers every day, and he always makes me feel like I'm beautiful, and he never calls me out on my shit. He never makes me feel – you know – they're just not meant for that. So if we can look at it going in that, that this might be a little rocky at times. Sometimes I'm not going to feel that in love romantic feeling. Sometimes it's not going to feel like, I remember um, someone saying that to me, a relationship partner saying that to me at one point, they're like, you know, I feel like I can't marry somebody because I don't feel like I stay in love. Like I dip in and out of it. I go, Oh, totally normal. Cause it does. It's like, it's, it's unsustainable. There's too much involved. Thank you. I love love what you're bringing up here. And part of, uh, I think, the issue that we all face is these lofty expectations, right? There's a narrative that we buy into that of what love is supposed to look like. But love is so much bigger and broader and more comprehensive and more complex and more difficult at times than the stories that we're being told. And so I think these conversations that we're having right now are really important to remind us that that love has highs and lows, and that doesn't make it more love or less love, right? In fact, when I was in uh, counseling and therapy, my therapist often brought up this uh, Bible verse that I had never applied towards my marriage. And she says, Joe, you know this verse, it says that as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another, or so one man sharpens another. And I always applied that to friendships and mentoring and coaching and all that kind of stuff. 
because, you know, you kind of knock the edges off each other and sparks fly. And sometimes there's heat. Sometimes there's heat. And my therapist said, you realize that marriage is the most likely place where that's going to happen because you're together all the time and their sparks are going to fly. But the danger is thinking that something's wrong, right? But iron sharpening iron, that's actually a good thing. Yes, there's heat. Yes, there's sparks. But that's how we get sharper. That's how we become what we were meant to be. And so uh, what I have to remind myself, and hopefully those that are tuned in, is that when the sparks fly, when there's heat, when there's friction, that doesn't necessarily mean something's wrong. That just may mean that you're coming to a place where you're learning, you're growing, and it's not it's not fun necessarily. It's difficult at times. But rather than bailing out with this presumption or this uh, conclusion that, well, we must not love each other because there's friction, but that's buying into a false narrative. Because sometimes love does hurt, but for a reason, because it creates a uh, uh, an impetus to learn, to grow, to, to introspect, to realize, hey, I, I actually got some work to do. I, I've got, I've got places in me that not just in this romantic relationship, but in all of my relationships, are causing friction, are causing issues, and not being productive, both for me as an individual or for me as a friend, as a father, as a son, as a you know whatever relationships that I'm in. So just great to expose and bring an awareness to the false narrative that love must, you know, uh, so here's the memory that comes to mind right now is that when I was a kid, there was a, a vinyl album and I think it was from love story, uh, the musical and the caption right on the front was love means never having to say you're sorry. Yeah. Right. It was love means never having to say you're sorry. And that was like the theme of the love story album. And I didn't know any different, you know, I was a little kid so I thought maybe that's the definition of what love looks like. That's completely false, right? That's a false narrative, a false story of, that has been romanticized. In fact, love is being willing to say you're sorry as many times as it requires, right? right. Ad nauseum, yes. Yeah, exactly. To take responsi- full responsibility for, for my own um, shortcomings, my issues, my selfishness, whatever that might be. And being willing not to just admit it, but to say, as the Ho'opono prayer says, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. That That's such a great equation. That's it way is. more healthier than the false narrative of thinking that love is we're going to be perfect and happy, joy, joy all the time. I mean, if you think about it, you should, honestly, it makes more sense to say love is having to say you're sorry. And you know what? Like we talk about love is, love is messy. And I, I could argue that you know, we tend to say, and that's this is why I'm glad we're talking about this, because we have such a warped view on love, just like we have a warped view on how to, how to get happy. Honestly, we just, and if you, if you get that view off, man, you're going to be struggling the rest of your life, you know? So like what you said there, Joe, was so good about, you know, when, when all of a sudden we have to say we're sorry, when all of a sudden all the sparks are happening, when we're sharpening against each other, like iron sharpening iron, we think that there's something wrong. Actually, that I would argue that there is something right going on at that moment. So good, you guys. <laughs> I love this. I love this so much. Just a little funny story before we got on, we were talking, we were making a joke that that Mojo and I had sent Steve roses because he had to go run to the door for something. And then he talked about the rose bushes in his dad's backyard. He said he had 18 rose bushes and that he said, boy, those took a lot of work. And I said, this is just like our topic today. You know, it takes a lot of work. I wanted to share what my happily ever after is. 
Because, you know, a lot of girls think it's, you know, this guy's going to come in and he's just going to dot all the I's, cross all the T's, make us feel safe and protected and wonderful and awesome the rest of our life. Ride a horse and wear Old Spice. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. Right. And I just wrote down, my happily ever after is someone who's willing to put in the effort with me. Mm. That's how we find our happily ever after. Okay. Because I've had relationships that were completely lopsided where I love them wholly and completely. I loved them. I was willing to go to any sort of help we needed to, because by the way, you guys, I am, I don't speak in absolute. So I'm going to say 99.99% of people and couples could benefit from therapy or coaching Agreed. or just reading some books together and just taking in new perceptions and new ideas. Because part of the problem is, is that we're thinking just from one level of thinking and which is what I hope that this episode brings to people today is a whole, you know, perception shift. Oh my gosh, it's not supposed to be perfect. <clears throat> I remember in high school, it being a really bad thing if couples were together, like, oh, they fight all the time. Like people would say that like it was this worst thing in the world. And later as I grew up, I thought it's actually somebody trying to say I'm not feeling valuable or respected or loved or honored or I'm scared. That's what it is. And the fight ensues when the other person is not taking responsibility because likely they did do something wrong. Okay. And so that's why I say my happily ever after is someone who's willing to put in the effort with me. And I often tell people this because I do, um, it's, it's not something I talk about a lot, but I'm a dating coach as well because I help a lot of people reset their energetic foundation and then move on to find a really great partner. But I don't call myself a dating coach. And that's one of the things I tell them is when they're talking about what they want to manifest in a partner, I'm like, don't worry about the looks because you're going to naturally be attracted to them or else you wouldn't be dating them. You, that would be a hard pass. You know, the funny, the these type of things. I said, those are all those things are great and they'll be in place. And whether, you know, just certain things that you like about a person. But what I tell people to look for is someone who's willing to take responsibility for their behavior. Because Mm -hmm. if someone's willing to own that they're afraid or they were, you know, I'm insecure or I've had this trauma in my past and it shows up in my relationships or whatever it might be. When you have that, then you have truth on the table and the people can work on that because we can't, you know, we can't solve a problem that we don't know is there. So this is, so it's this mixture of meeting somebody and being vulnerable, being open, not to me, it's not connecting sexually quickly that changes things. It just changes things Mm -hmm. and getting to know the person on a friendship level. Do we jive? Is this, do I like this person? Am I attracted to this person? These type of things. And what happens when I talk about hard stuff? What do they do? Do they turn it around on me? Likely you're with someone who's an NTP, has narcissistic type things, or who's extremely unhealed. Or do they take responsibility or do they show up for how I'm feeling, even if I'm wrong? Because sometimes someone's, let's say, jealous, and jealousy is a personal thing. Okay, I'm just jealous. I'm jealous of all these things, right? just means you think somebody has something that you don't. But when you bring these things up in a relationship, you're going to see what that person is about, and then the two of you can work together. I love my relationship with my husband right now. It's, you know, a lot of people like, oh, the more marriages you have, the worse it's going to be. This is my third one. I've learned so much that this one is the healthiest. Do we argue? Yes. Do we always agree? Absolutely not. 
But man, we're going to work through stuff. Even if we're kicking and screaming, doing it, we're going to work through the stuff and it just keeps getting better. And one last thing I want to say, I'm going to just circle back a little bit to that whole point about intimacy, meaning sexual intimacy and the romanticism and all these type of things tends to fall away when resentment builds. Mm -hmm. But if we can stay in it and do the work, you can be married for 50 years and still think your person is the most attractive person and you can be totally sexually charged by them. But you, both parties have to be willing to do the work. Mm-hmm. Yep, you make really, really good points here. And just to, re, to remind anybody, everybody who's checked in, that the that the relationship, every relationship, whether it's romantic or not, is in flux, right? We're all changing all the time. You, you hear people say, "Well, this isn't the person that I married. This isn't the person that I fell in love with." Well, neither are you, for that matter, right? Because right. Every day, every moment, every experience, right? We're, we're in flux. We're growing. We're changing. We're, our, our ideas of ourself, our belief system are healing or not. All of that is in flux all the time. So considering everything is in motion, I think it's, again, one of those uh, false narratives or, or uh, presuppositions that somehow the person that I am in a relationship with will never change. Well, that, that's impossible, right? Life is change. That, that's a sign of life is that we're always growing, that we're changing. And so having grace, right, for ourselves and for others, knowing that every day, every year, every decade that goes by, changes are inevitable. And so am, this is where we get back to this commitment. Am I committed to the growth and the health of the relationship in spite of or maybe even because of all of the changes that are happening all the time, right? And so it's, I've heard it said, you know, it's a matter of every day saying, I choose you, right? I could choose lots of other things. I could choose to leave. I could choose uh, whatever, but I choose you. And again, that doesn't have to be just in marriage, but in friendships and in all the relationships that we have. Do I choose to stick with the person that I have a relationship with? through the changes? Can we grow through the changes? I can comment, but Steve, you're, I think you're next. No, I'm just, I'm just loving this. I'm, I, I wanna, <laughs> you guys are just spot. You're on a roll. Go, go. Oh, go. okay. This, that just brought up a lot of thoughts for me, good. Joseph, because, oh my gosh, I don't know where to, to approach this from. So let me just say this. Yes. People aren't, they are not going to be the person that we, that we first hooked up with you know, relationship wise, whether married or not, because we are, we're all always changing and growing. However, I'm going to bring a spin to this right now. Sometimes because we were always attracted to the same energetic frequency, the level, sometimes we can outgrow people. And when the disconnect becomes too great, we am doing it the wrong way here on the screen, but when the disconnect becomes too great, then sometimes it's time to, to say goodbye to a relationship. And when we're talking about love here, now this is a complete opposite spin here, but I think it's worth mentioning. But when we're talking about love here, people might be like, well, that's not very loving or this and that. Sometimes it's better to release somebody that we are not compatible with so that they can go on and find somebody that they are. And sometimes it means that we have to love ourselves enough to say this is enough. So I'm not talking about just we changed, okay? Because if sometimes just, you know, I changed, you changed, but we still love each other, but let's not be married anymore. Okay. That's a thing. But what I'm talking about, if there's repeated disrespect, there's repeated abuse, or if somebody all of a sudden turned into, you know, some type of addict, 
or they, you know, they, they've started cheating on you or doing stuff that you don't want in your life. It's important that we love ourselves enough to be able to make that break. And that doesn't mean you have to hate that person. And this is a personal thing that only each individual can ever decide. I am pro relationship. I will help people dig up the, the nastiest underbelly, festering underbelly they have to bring it to light to heal it. But sometimes people are like, you know what? I'm just done here. And that's okay too. We must be willing to love ourselves enough to say, I can't put my through, myself through this anymore. So sometimes we do outgrow people and that's okay. But if do you see what I'm saying, last night I was watching, I watched a show called um, Who the Bleep Did I Marry? <clears throat> and she married this wonderful guy that was in that, that big Navy Academy, what's it called? West Point, something like that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, and he was just all the things, all the amazing things that she ever wanted, respect and honor and love of country and self and this and that and the other. And this man just went freaking sideways. And she was just blown away. She literally said, we had the happiest life and the happiest marriage. You know, sometimes that happens. Then we have to be willing to let go and let God, right? Take care of ourselves enough, take care of our babies, our children, whoever's involved and to let that person go work out their own crap. Sometimes we need to do that too. Hmm. It reminds me that um, the truth is uh, relationships don't crash in an instant, right? There's usually a lot of stuff that's building towards that. And this this uh, conversation, again, it's a reminder to be aware, to be aware of where are the disconnects in my friendships, in my romantic relationship? Where are the disconnects and why? And am I willing to be, one, honest and forthright about that and then to confront it, to talk about it, to talk through it. And I love what Kristen said, you know, holding hands with the other person so that uh, you understand that there's a connection here in the disconnect. And that's, that's really good. But I think, um, I think what I'm trying to get at is that being aware of the signs that the, the cracks and the crevices that, you know, the little drips that we ignore for too long. If we defer the maintenance too long, eventually the roof crashes in, but it didn't happen because of one raindrop because of ignoring, right? The cracks and the crevices over time and just allowing something to build up so much that no longer could it be repaired. And so the, uh, the idea of maintaining, right? And addressing and connecting on a regular basis to prevent the giant buildup and the, the dam crashing through. I think that's such an important thing to remember and that, that that is part of the work you're talking about. The effort that's put in to any relationship to keep it strong uh, is examining, well, where are the weaknesses and how can we address those together? How can we work through Do you know that 30 minutes a day with your partner to sit down and talk about things is enough? 30 minutes a day, just to say every night after dinner, we're sitting down for 30 minutes and we're going to talk about what's working, what's not working, how I'm feeling, how you're feeling. Did I do anything? You know, it's, it's fascinating what that will do. Doug and I talk all the time, all the time, because, you know, stuff comes up. And it's yeah. the same thing behind when you and Doug will hold hands when you're disagreeing oh, with sometimes. each other. Oh, sometimes. Heated with each other. Okay. Well, <laughs> more than most of us do anyway. But when you're holding hands, um, you're reminded that that's a person. That's a human being. No, that's so good. That's a fellow human, Right. Um, it's the same thing when it comes to us watching things on TV, us watching politicians, us watching, you know, we can have all these opinions on 
the the athlete, the quarterback, the politician, the the whatever, and we can just trash them verbally. We can trash them mentally. Uh, but if they're in the room, guess what? We've got a different. If they're our friend, guess what? We don't we don't let other people talk that way about them because we're reminded that they're a friend. And so when you sit down and talk with someone for thirty minutes, for five minutes a day, I'm telling you, you're reminded that that that's a human being, and that one of the one way, one of the ways this can go sideways, what, what we've been talking about a little bit here is that it's easy to say, right? Well, you just don't give anymore. My partner doesn't give anymore. So it's done here. And I know that's not what you're saying at all, Kristen, but oh, it's no. easy yeah. to just blame the other person. What what you're really saying, Kristen, is there comes a time sometimes when, when that has to when that has to happen, right? But the main point that you're really trying to say is we gotta look at our own life. I can't change them. I can only change me and something that has me as, as controversial as this may come across and sound, but I think triggers are healthy with all that mental health talk we have today. We talk a lot about triggers, but <clears throat> back in the day before we used the word triggers with whatever word we used, what that was for was, was me telling you, Hey guys, when this happens, I just get this way. So if I get this way, please understand and have mercy with me. Now, yes. if you're not careful, it feels like it's turned to here's where I'm broken and you better change how you live because I'm broken here. And if you don't, then you don't honor me. Then you don't hold on a second. I love this whole concept of here's my trigger. Here's what I'm working on to make myself a better person. And in the same way to the next level, take that even further. You're holding Doug's hand because you're remembering he's a human being. You're talking with that person for a half hour a day because you're remembering that they're a human being, that they have brokenness too. And whenever we have, you know, like when when someone breaks up with somebody and they say, or even with a job, this job is so much better than the last job. They treat me so much better. Well, you're comparing apples to apple, apples to oranges there, right? 100%. This person might be treating you better now, but I treated you better in the very beginning too, right? <laughs> Let them hang out with you for eight years. Like, you know, compare it to at that point, like for people to say that Patrick Mahomes is the greatest of all times, the quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. Hold on a second. Um, right now, he's pretty he pretty stinking good and he could become the greatest of all times. But Tom Brady has been doing this thing for how many years? And Patrick Mahomes has been doing it for how many years? What I'm saying is compare apples to apples after um, Patrick Mahomes has been a quarterback for as long as Tom Brady. Then we can look at them. And, she, and I, I'm saying all that to say. That and you guys might need to explain or interpret for what I'm really trying to say. Hopefully you're you're catching what I'm trying to say here. But that is that when when we yeah, the grass is greener on the other side because you haven't been on that other side for eight years, like you were on this other one for eight years. And the whole concept of we gotta look at our life and figure out how can I help fix myself. And Kristen, the way you said it was just so good. When I fix myself, (laughs) I can become a better lover to other people. I you guys, I'm loving where this conversation is going. I just feel like so many people need to hear this. So if you're watching or you're listening, man, please share this. Share this to just everybody. That way people don't think you're sharing it just to them. But I think it's so important for us to hear this if we're going to live happy life, live loving lives. I just going to jump in real quick, Mojo. Yes, it only in the case where you've been with maybe an abuser or narcissist or someone that's just gnarly and you're like, what the heck? And you move away from that. Yes, you could probably upgrade in a lot of levels, but not until you do that inner work because you're there's an energy that you attracted that person on. So you're gonna have to attract you'll attract that thing. I'm raising my hand. This was me. This is my story. It's all right. Us. 
And I, one last thing I just wanted to add to that is that we can we can consciously uncouple and let go with love. Even with my narcissistic, abusive, former second husband, I, I just let go of them with love. I'm like, this is someone who is wounded, right? I'm not going to sit here and pound my fists and do all these things. He's wounded. He's a child of God. I can let go with love and and you go do you in whatever form that's going to look like because I just can't be in this anymore type situation. Mm, good. In the last uh, few minutes that we have, I just want to talk a little bit about this idea of transactional relationships versus mm. transformational relationships. Mm. And I think this is where this is where love is so powerful, right? This is where love is transcends romance, uh, transcends our our very small definitions of love is love is really the power of transformation being loved right unconditionally by God, by others as such a powerful, like Kristen talked about earlier that someone by loving me doesn't necessarily fix me, but it does create a setting where I am willing to address my issues, right? Where I feel safe, where I feel understood, accepted, for who I am, not to stay that way, right? But to make whatever changes I can or need to make in order to become more whole. So love becomes this um, a salve, but it becomes a transformational place, a safe place to understand my brokenness, to understand my wounds, to understand the healing that needs to be made, and being willing to step into those places that I've ignored or I've I've denied or I've I've put on the shelf somewhere, right? And this one picture comes to mind. Um, I think it was Henry Nowen, who's a beautiful writer and uh, was a, uh, in the later years of his life, his wife became incapacitated. She became very ill. They'd been married for decades. And towards the very end, he would go to her every day in her caregiving and he would take care of her. And towards the end, she started to get dementia and she didn't know who he was. And then she became very agitated and cranky and even combative when he would come in. And yet he would still go and care for her needs and stay with her and be with her. And his friends started to ask him about this and say, what, what's the purpose? Why do you even show up? She doesn't know who you, she, who you are and she treats you poorly when you show up. And Henry Nowen, and, and this is my paraphrase of what I read, he said, this is the most pure form of love our marriage has ever had. Mm. And they were asking him, what do you mean by that? Wow. He, said, he said, for most of my marriage, it's been transactional. I do something and expect something in return. And she does something and expects something in return. And there's always this uh, give and take, almost you know, an exchange of goodness, exchange of love. He said, now... I know that when I go and show love to my wife, she can't, she isn't able to give me anything back. And so it's this the first time in my marriage when it's actually, it's a completely unconditional love because it's no longer transactional. There's no commerce. There's no exchange. Love is me giving because I love, not because I'll get anything in return. And boy, that that's super challenging. <laughs> it's beautiful, it, 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 but that is not an easy place to get to. And even Henry now would say it. I, I wasn't like this when I was earlier, younger in my life, and I probably couldn't even fathom it back then. But just this understanding of life and love is constantly in flux, is constantly in flow, and having an ideal that isn't happy, happy, joy, joy all the time, but an ideal that says, "I want to get to a place where I can love." Because I am loving, not so that I will get something in return. I'm not giving love to get love. I get to give 
love, right? And that's that's it's lofty, it's idealistic, it it may seem uh, unattainable, but that really I think is the such a great place to move towards, right? Where I want to be the place where I'm giving love because that's who I am, that it's flowing from me, that I, I've been loved by my creator unconditionally. And as a result, I can give love without the expectation of some sort of transaction and reciprocity in return. And that's that <laughs> word, that ancient Greek word, agape. That's what that word means, to love, not to get anything back, to love, just to love. I love that. And so yeah. one last thing I wanted to say is that, and you guys, you could probably quote this because I think it's a Bible thing because every, every wedding I'm ever at says this, it says, love is patience. Love is kind. Love is love. Love is that. Yeah. What? First Corinthians yeah. 13. It's in the last okay. half of the Bible. Last okay. third of the Bible actually. Yes. But. So let's, let's think about what love really is. <laughs> Why on earth would that be part of marriage vows? <laughs> love is patient. Love is kind. <laughs> love is, you know, I just want my last little piece I want to share is that we all need to give ourselves a little break because that gentleman was saying, you know, I wasn't this way back in the day. None of us were. We're teeny right. tiny baby right. humans. We don't know what we're doing. We just think we're going to get in this relationship and it's going to be great and amazing and sex and cuddling and all the things. And then it's not. So, you know, sometimes people have what they call failed relationships. I never call them failures. Not even if it's a divorce. I never think it's a failure. I think that was where you were at at that time. That's what you learned. Because a lot of times people look back and they're like, if I would have, I could have, and I should have. No, you didn't because you weren't there yet. You hadn't learned that yet. You hadn't grown there yet. Let's not beat ourselves up for anything that we could have, should have, would have done in a past relationship. Just be gentle with yourself. Know you did the best you could at the time. Give yourself grace. Give yourself compassion and forgive yourself. Because guess what? That shame you're feeling from that could have, should have, would have, that's going to be brought into your next relationship. Right. So let's clear that stuff out. Talk about healing yourself and getting healed. You can't heal yourself if you can't forgive yourself. That's part of the process. It's we a all huge blow it. Part of the process. And that's what makes love so great because I have blown it probably more than I've ever succeeded when it comes to my wife. I've blown it so many ways with her. And yet she, she sticks around. And my friends, they stick around when they see my failures and my weaknesses. To me, that just draws me closer. I feel like that's what love looks like. It's when they it see is. and they don't leave me. They don't blame me. They don't. And when somebody does, it just kind of lets you know where they're at. And so you don't give as much of your your openness, your vulnerability to them because of that. But to me, that our brokenness and we can face it, look at it and say, here it is. Like, Joel, you said earlier that it was, it was so good what you said. You said mm-hmm. love is a safe place for us to be able to show our weaknesses, for us to be able to show our brokenness. And every one of us needs to have a place that can be safe, that we can go to and know if I'm going to open up my heart here. I'm not going to be destroyed. And so that's the real definition of love. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Not the transactional definition of love. Right. Mm. And you know, that that chapter, first Corinthians 13, two, I think that really sums up. We're talking about real love is messy and what does real love look like? And we try to make Valentine's day all about romantic love, but you know, that, that chapter has some great stuff in there, but it says, you know, love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It doesn't get jealous of things. It doesn't want what other people have. It's content with what it has. And that's really, you know, you're going to talk about Valentine's Day. 
That's love right there, man. Patience, kindness. Woo! <laughs> 100%. Yeah, and uh, I've even heard people say, you know, if you want to know how God loves you, take that 1 Corinthians 13 passage and replace the word love with God, right? Because God is love. So he this is isn't love. a stretch. God is patient. God is kind. God is, wants what's right, right? He rejoices in the truth. All the things that seem kind of out of reach or too lofty or too idealistic, that's the kind of love that we can receive from our creator, from our heavenly father, which gives us again, uh, this transitional love, this transformational love that gives me a place to be open and vulnerable and to give myself grace, to receive grace so that then I have something of value to give to others in relationship. Right. And that's not so they get something in return, but so that I can, I can uh, make someone else's life a little bit better. Yeah. So you guys completely rock. (laughs) <laughs> what a joy to hang out with you two uh, as we talk about love. And of course, there's no way love is, is can be um, defined. It's completely dynamic. It's alive. It's transactional. I mean, it's not transactional. It's transformational. That's really important to keep those things <laughs> straight. Uh, and it's the process. We are all in motion. We're all in change. We're all in flux. And, and I do love this idea of vulnerability that came up that, it's really at our points of weakness and vulnerability that we connect. And love is this connection, right? Connection with someone and something that, that means something of value that I'm willing to sacrifice for so that, uh, so that they are better. And when I make someone else's life better, it makes mine better as well. Amen. All right. Amen. Thank you so Hallelujah. Much. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, both Kristen Brown, Happy Life Studios, Steve-O, and uh, on my behalf, Mojo as well. Um, may may true love grow in your heart and in your relationships. Uh, and as you are receiving and giving love, that the connections grow stronger through gratitude, through grace, through generosity. Until next time, this is the Modern Day Alchemists. You are loved. Bye, everybody. Peace.